This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Eat Sleep Arsenal Repeat Show, uh, which we do every single week, every Thursday. And uh, I'm very happy to be joined today uh, by, first of all, of course, as always, the Doc. How are you doing, Raj? You good, you well? Yeah, doing well. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. How has uh, the week treated you? It's, it's not perked you up at all yet? or? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. We'll see oh, how yeah. Sunday goes. Sunday is the yeah. perk. Saturday is the one, yes. Uh, you can tell that it's been an international break for all of us, I think. Uh, so much so that Owen's going to be half an hour late. That's You know, he has to take half an hour to G himself up uh, for this one. Um, but uh, he will be with us about halfway through today's show. Uh, Sophie isn't sadly with us, and Sophie might be absent for a, a little while. Um, you've probably seen uh, from what she's been talking about on the Highbury squad, she's got a lot going on in her life at the moment. But uh, we send her our absolute best. Um, and hopefully, uh, Sophie will indeed return in due course. However, uh, one woman's loss is another man's gain uh, in this sense. And Jared, uh, thank you so much for nice. jumping on with us this week. Absolute pleasure to have you on. It's been a, quite a while, but it's good to see you. How are you? Doing great. Yeah, it's been a little while. Uh, first time I've well, kind of seen you and spoke uh, since Chicago, other than some, you know, texting mm. back and forth in the back channel. So great to be back and looking forward to it. Absolutely. If, now, if Mike heard you say the words we were chatting in the back channel, he would absolutely love that. So maybe let's hope he doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> he would take advantage of that without a shadow of a doubt. Um, yeah, no, the last time I think we spoke properly was indeed when I was in Chicago. That was a, an amazing trip. And uh Hopefully something that, that will become a lot more regular. Um, I'd love to go out to the States again and try and get to a, an event out there again. Maybe even Chicago again, because I just enjoyed it so much. But uh, we'll wait and see if that comes around. But I mean, in terms of Arsenal, it's been a relatively quiet international break, Raj. I mean, we've overall been able to kind of avoid uh, a lot of the talk about injuries. However, there was an interesting injury story that came up uh, yesterday afternoon, this morning, uh, the mayor reporting that Bakaya Saka's nursing a little bit of an Achilles issue, um, which is kind of a 
you know, I think it sets a lot of Arsenal fans on edge whenever you hear about Saka having any kind of issue. But obviously, he played the first game from the start. He came on in the second game, uh, I think, toward like the 75th minute around that point and, and played mm. through the game. Is this, do you think, something where players are always going to be carrying something at some stage and it's going to be monitored? Or is it something maybe more sinister we need to worry about? Yeah, I mean, I think people have to understand the difference between discomfort and an injury. Uh, at the pro level, mm. guys are carrying little things all the time. Like I know a lot, most of last season, Ben White had some knee issues going on. So it's just a matter of management. You know, I had a tweet uh, about uh, Martin Odegaard, who has patellar issues since he was 16 that are being managed constantly. So something that comes to the territory, especially as you increase games, you increase intensity. And so it's just, you know, sometimes it, it can be just, I don't want to say growing pains, but it can just be your body adapting to a higher higher level of play. But I mean, when you're playing, you know, games as many as he is, and it, it, that's not a, that's not a bad thing. You know, your body has to adapt to certain things. You're going to have certain pains and discomforts. So, I mean, the train, the training and, and physio staff is going to be all over that and understanding, you know, when it might be too much for him, when it may not be. And so I, I, I understand the word Achilles is quite triggering and I had, you know, a lot of messages, trust me, always, uh, you know, they see that word, they said low back with Saliba, and but Saliba's actually adapted quite well, right? So people get scared of those things, but, you know, that's, it's, it's so commonplace that it happens. Mm, absolutely. I mean, Saka is a bit of a buzzword, Jared, whenever you hear any concern around him, it emphasizes, you know, the worry in, in ways. Do you think he is our most irreplaceable player in the team? Oh, mute button, mute button. <laughs> You've done the Drew, as we call it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's the most irreplaceable, but he's certainly up there. And and he's probably the first person people think of when they hear the team name Arsenal right now. He's kind of that forward figure that everybody knows. And he's so beloved by the fan base. Anytime there's talk of him being injured, it is going to scare some people. To me, Saliba is probably the most irreplaceable just because there's he just does so many things that are important. But Saka is certainly in that realm, and it, it's tough. You know, we talk a lot about load management in professional sports now, and it and it's something that teams obviously are very aware of. Uh, but Saka's he's he's young; he's used to playing a lot of minutes. You, you would like to see, you know, hopefully he gets a, a few breaks here and there. I think already with Rob Holding gone, he may have the most senior appearances for Arsenal of anybody on the current squad, and he's still relatively young so it tells you the amount of game time he's getting but he is an important piece of the team and also the players that would be you know looked at as his understudies maybe that would be the spot that there's a little bit more of a drop-off than there is in other positions on the pitch so his importance in that sense seems to be elevated but if he's out injured I'll start to worry about it if they say you know this is kind of a, a thing he's be, been dealing with as Dr. Raj said it's something that they're familiar with. We have an entire team of people who manage those sorts of things and hopefully can give him, you know, the best chance to stay healthy for as many games as he can play this season. And I expect to see him a lot in the very near future. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, Erdegaard, Saliba, you look at those three and think those are the guys that if you lose, they're, they're pretty much irreplaceable. You know, you can have depth in those positions, but who's going to replace Saka, you know, who is going to be able to replace Odegaard, who is going to be able to replace Saliba, you know, you've got, yes, Ben White that could play and you can move Tommy Asu and you've got Vieira, you've got Smith Rowe, you've got Nelson, you know, and these are, you know, good players, but 
they can't replace what has been lost. And, and it's almost, you know, an inevitability that at some stage you will lose key players. And it's hopefully about how the team then adjusts to those losses. I mean, you look at City there without Kevin De Bruyne for the majority of the start of this season. So, and how are they going to respond to that? Well, they've responded it to with, with four wins out of four. So it's not exactly gone too badly for them without their, their star man. So I guess when it comes to kind of players that do have persistent injury issues you then have to start thinking about making decisions on them and i see a1 in the chats is there apparently Partey will be sold in january tom hopefully we pursue the guy from monaco if true that's yusuf fafana he's talking about there now what i will say is that i have seen the report um that that, that came out i'm kind of uh lost the word reluctant to give it any credibility at all based upon where it's come from because i can tell you for sure that that report hasn't come from anywhere other than guesswork <laughs> i can tell you that but for the benefit of being hypothetical raj um say there was an offer um from a club let's hypothetically say juventus in january um would you be inclined to consider it if it was sizable i'm talking you know, around 30 million pounds for a player like Partey who has had persistent injury issues and then look to replace him midway through the season I think it just depends on what else is available. Like we know January window is really, really tough to replace with quality players. So, you know, if that's a possibility and it's conditional on that, sure. I, I just think, I just don't know how realistic that is based on the quality you typically get in January. And typically in January, teams also know that you don't have any team buyers don't have much leverage in January window because they know it's, it's for teams who are looking to improve right then. So price tend to be uh, very inflated as well so it is conditional for me i think you have to consider it but considering what the, what the team's aspirations are on multiple fronts i just don't think it's very quite realistic would you be comfortable with it being his last season though and then in the summer looking to replace him yeah i think the summer would make a lot more sense in my opinion you have more time to put that legwork in and to find a proper replacement and then potentially you know sell him on as well. So I think that makes a lot more sense to me than it would you know, during mid season. And, you know, as we've seen uh, with injuries, whether to him or to anyone else, that back end of the season, it's pretty sensitive when it comes to injuries and, and it being the difference between perhaps, you know, really putting the pressure on for a title later on in Champions League, potentially, you know, other tournaments as well. And Jared, just to get your thoughts on this, you know, the people in the chat box constantly saying, you know, he's he's way too unreliable, um, is part of, I think the statistic going around is at the moment prior to the injury he was available for 64% of games since he arrived. I think that statistic is going to drop, you know, throughout the next few weeks, probably to below the 60% mark, potentially. I'm not sure how much of an impact it will have on the overall figure. But, you know, when you're getting into the realms of, you know, more than a third of games um, you're missing, that's a really difficult thing to justify then not thinking about replacing a player. It, it certainly makes it difficult. And it, it comes down to the constant argument of ability versus availability. You know, the games that he plays, he's such a high level player. He mm. He's really instrumental in our success in a lot of the games he plays. But where do you rank that if he's only available for half of them or two thirds of them? So I'm always open to selling a player if the right deal presents itself. Certainly a midfielder who's on the back end of 30, you're you're always willing to entertain deals. So I think it's a matter of understanding who our replacement's going to be and having that succession plan in place prior to his exit. Because even if 
just for the sake of this demonstration, if we say party's a 10 out of 10 player in terms of talent in that area, you know, at what point are you willing to make the trade-off of, say, taking a, a 7 out of 10 player who's available for every single game, a 7.5, an 8? So at some point, there's a player level where it becomes acceptable to kind of make that switch, even if they're not parties level, if you know you're going to have the availability from them, which when I say no, you have the availability, obviously that's always a, an uncertainty, but some players who are, uh, haven't missed the games that he has would certainly make sense in that area. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that's that's probably the best way to look at it. Is When you're looking at what's going on in a player and the squads and how many games they're missing and what options are out there. I think what Raj said about January being really difficult to do business that month. If, if an opportunity is there, sure, you can go for it. But the likelihood is that it's probably not going to be. So, uh, And also with Ghana qualifying for the African Cup of Nations, he's going to be missing uh, in January. And that might even make a transfer more difficult because he's not going to be here for that as well. So that, that makes things tricky. I think that... You, it's always, as you say, Jared, about opportunity. And if you can upgrade, you shouldn't be, you know, thinking about not because, you know, you, you've enjoyed the play having the player here or, you know, you appreciate what he's done for the club and things like that, or that it's necessarily a risk. I think if the chance to upgrade is there at this stage, uh, where we are as a club on our journey, you have to be ruthless and, and try and move those players on as best you can and bring in a better option. Um, and we do take risks. You look at Kai Havertz, it's a big, big risk that the club are taking. So let's wait and see how it goes. The other, obviously, big news uh, that dropped today is the um, news that was uh, exclusively revealed initially by David Ornstein, that Vinay Venkatesham uh, is going to be leaving uh, Arsenal at the end of this season. He's been CEO since uh, Ivan Gazidis, of course, stepped down and he and Raul Sanyehi took over kind of the the wider role that, that Ivan was in charge of. Raul did the football sides and, and Vinay did, it was kind of the commercial side of things. I think it was managing director potentially he came into the role at initially. Nenny was promoted to CEO with uh, Raul moving on and Edu then doing the technical director and sporting director side. And obviously we've seen a number of deals that Arsenal have got involved with Raj. I mean, the most notable I'm thinking of is, is Prime and kind of all the controversy that went with, with Prime and the money that came in with that deal. And they've obviously linked up with Manchester City's Erling Haaland. I think they're Bayern Munich as well. They've got links to as well. And you know, everyone's got an opinion on KSI and Logan Paul and stuff. But obviously, that wasn't the only deal that's been done. There's been lots of other deals that have been that have gone on in the last few years since Vinay's came in. But what have you made of, of him, if anything? Do you, has he had enough impact on you to even kind of be aware of the things that, that he's done at the club? I think it's hard to say. You know, we know, Mikel has talked about it, Edu's talked about it, that they all kind of work in conjunction with one another. So it's hard to say, you know, what his role really is. Even I have a hard time with transfers, People, you know, discerning between what is Mikel's role, what's Edu's role. Uh, and so, you know, I think with Benai, and the one thing we know with him, he seems to work quite well with this group and he has a good, has a good synergy with them. And so I think and the positive news here is that there's enough runway here where they can really vet out a possible replacement and find someone who fits kind of that same cultural fit. And I think we've seen that kind of be a theme across and that's a big reason why, why Arsenal are where they are is that they've taken not culture, not just from a player perspective, but from the top to the bottom. So you have to find a replacement that really fits that and understands kind of that ethos as well. It's, it's hard, I guess, from the fan perspective, Jared, you know, in these, because 
what the club do commercially is it's a very niche thing to be experts in to really keep track of especially on a finance side of things and i'm our mutual friend mike loves that side of things but you know it's difficult to sit here if i if we would have a conversation about edu stepping down i could consciously really evaluate the things that he's done because we're so aware of transfers and the decisions that we've made on the pitch with the players that we've signed or the players that we've sold or not sold well enough but with vinay it's, it's difficult to have too strong of an opinion unless you really know your stuff about the commercial deals we've done yeah, I, I think you're spot on. People place too much. As soon as anyone leaves from the Arsenal hierarchy, everyone's initial thoughts go to what does this mean for the transfer business? And at the end of the day, I don't think it means a lot for it. He, he's very much involved in all the commercial dealings and all of that and probably is very in tune with the financial fair play regulations and, and all of that as well. But in terms of what we as fans are going to see, the impact it's going to have, I wouldn't think it would be anything too massive. I guess that's all subject to who you bring in to replace him because, of course, you know, someone who has a dynamically different idea of how to move the club forward, you could see some changes. But from a fan perspective, Vini coming out with my assumption being we're going to bring in someone who has a similar background. I mean, I'm, we can talk about a couple options there. I, I don't think we're going to see anything at, um, from the fan perspective that's a dramatic change from what we've seen over the last 18 months to two years. Yeah, uh, Fuad says, I think it's fair to say that Tim Lewis is really the de facto CEO and now they have Juliet Slot doing all these commercial deals. Maybe the writing was on the wall for Vinay. Tim's obviously the vice executive uh, chairman, I believe. Yes, Raj, go on, mate. So, you know, CEO position isn't typically really the one doing the deals anyways, right? They're yeah. kind of more of a people manager. So um, that, like the CEO position isn't really the one doing that day-to-day -day anyways, right? So it's it's much more of a managerial position speaking specifically to this comment. Mm, yeah, I think that's fair enough. I, as I said, it's it's so difficult to really evaluate, you know, what this will mean for Arsenal because from my perspective, you know, I'm focused about what's going on on the pitch and the only off-field things I'm really focused on is obviously from an ownership standpoint and from an executive transfer standpoint and decision-makings with staff members, be that Arteta, contract renewals, um, contract discussions with players, uh, obviously the women's side of the game, the youth side, you know, the academy. Uh, it's difficult to look at and have a real view of, you know, what Vinay will, what we'll lose in Vinay leaving because I'm just not, you know, in the know enough about what he was doing. And as Raj said, the CEO position is is kind of, I don't know if I was going to use the word puppeteering. It's not puppeteering, but you know what I mean? It's overseeing kind of so much of things more so than than having a real hand in, in I guess, what's going on because you you delegate so much and you you give, you know, responsibilities to other people like Juliet Slot, as Fuad mentions, who has come in as a chief commercial officer. I think she came in, um what was it it must have been 2021 i think she came into the role um and and we've obviously seen uh edu become sporting director and then take over the, the massive amount of responsibility that holds with the men's and women's side of the game and we've got pair heading up the the academy and we've i think we promoted a few people to be alongside um edu as well he's got assistant sporting directors alongside him as well now so even though during the the uh, pandemic period, we made a lot of people redundant in that period. And 55 people, as we know, the magic number that we heard left the club. In the period since 2020 and 2021, a lot of people have joined the club in executive and senior positions. We've also seen a structural change of ownership where 
Stan and Josh Kroenke are now co-chairmen. They're not just the owners. They are co-chairmen at the club with Tim Lewis being in that vice executive co-chairman uh, position as well. So there is a lot there. There's a lot of people that hold power very highly high up at the club and Vinay stepping away. You know, I, I genuinely don't know what the impact of that is going to be. But what we do know is that the decision being made now will obviously give the club a long, long time whilst he will leave at the end of the season to deal with that process of, of moving him on. So it's nothing I think that really is worth more than what we've discussed. Did any of you have either any real burning thoughts on this that you felt like haven't been touched upon? Not really. I I'm with you in that the, the thing that works in our favor here is the timing. You have plenty of time to put a succession plan in place pick out your person, get them acclimated to what you're demanding of them for that specific role. So it's a smooth transition at the end of the year. Um, I think being that it's KSE, we may see them look at someone like Patrick Smith, who does a very similar role for the Colorado Rapids, their MLS team over here. Um, on the pitch, they're terrible. <laughs> but in terms of their finances, they're in fine shape. But he also, prior to that, worked um, in a very high up role within UEFA. So he's familiar with European football. He works specifically on the financial analyst group. So he's very in tune with European football, the Premier League, financial fair play. So in terms of someone's CV, he kind of checks all the boxes. And being that he already works with the Cronkies and KSE in an executive level position, you would assume he's relatively well liked since he's been recently promoted to it. So I think we could see somebody like that. But the reality is if someone like that comes in, kind of like we've talked about, I don't think we're really going to notice his fans other than seeing a, a different face sitting in the executive box uh, at the Emirates from time to time. Yeah, I've just yeah. had someone send me a tweet saying Vince McMahon should take over uh, yeah. his position, which I'm not in favor yeah. of at all. <laughs> Raj. I, I'll just give one example. So I worked in corporate for a while uh, to give an example of how high level CEO is. So a certain company, there would be an internal year-end review. The deck would be 250 slides. By the time it got to the CEO, that was synthesized into two sentences. So like CEOs are not ground. It's extremely, extremely, extremely high level. It's not the day-to-day -day aspects. But that, you know, takes its own very much skill set. But then sometimes there's a, um, there's a misunderstanding of kind of how much really CEOs are involved on the day-to-day -day aspects. Benny Winston's Mike Feinberg, new CEO, gets my vote. I just don't know what you are asking for, mate. You do not know what you're asking for with that. <laughs> uh, let's bring in someone that I'm sure can tell us everything about the CEO position because he's the CEO of his home, that's for sure. It's Owen. How you doing, Owen? You good, Joel, my friend? If he could, he, He's not a CEO of his mute button, that's for sure. <laughs> It's not even letting him unmute it right now. We'll, we'll give him a second. Oh, there we go. There, there we it go. is. There we go. We're back. No, don't be stupid, mate. You and I both know I'm no CEO of my house. You're in the same same structural setup I am. We all are. So let's not kid ourselves. Indeed. Indeed. We are the ones that get the jobs delegated too. We don't do the delegating. That is, mm. that is for sure. Um, but uh, how are you? Good? I'm good. I'm good. I'm fresh off the back of... Uh, 12 holes uh it was well, a good night so yeah 12 12. it's an autumn cup competition it's midweek competition for the members so um obviously with the dark evenings coming in now you can't really finish work and play a full 18 so right. take it down to 12 holes for uh stapleford so yeah yeah it's good good competition but i remember the i wanted three weeks ago uh 
And uh, I'm in with a pretty good chance this week of winning it again, I think. Lovely stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward if we can get out in Ireland to play at some point. Something I'm looking forward to. So maybe, maybe it will happen. We'll have to wait and see. Um, let's bring cards. about our next. <laughs> let's bring up. I was going to say, let's bring up our next topic just quickly. Owen, any thoughts before we do move on on Vinay stepping down from his position? Yeah, it's. I don't think it's as dramatic as maybe it sounds. I think that. Um, through good work and and part of which is is Vinay himself's work, uh, we have the management structure in place where if anybody leaves from top to bottom now, that it's not a complete catastrophic case. That you know that um, we have plenty of time to do our due diligence on the new person to come in. If there are, I would imagine there will be somebody to come in, but don't rule out an internal promotion in in that sense, or the or the the responsibility to be spread out among some of our existing management structure already. Uh, but listen, uh, people can talk about the fact that he's been here through some of the hard times, but there's no doubt that since he stepped into that um, position, we've seen an upward trajectory uh, throughout the club. So you have to tip your hat to him. I find it quite strange. I understand it's maybe a stressful job and other opportunity, opportunities do present themselves, but he's got such a cushy number. He doesn't really get taken into the spotlight too much. He's... Uh, he's in a really good position so i think it's i think it's pretty surprising um to see him move on but listen not that he has a major impact on my life but uh i think we can tip the cap and say maybe job well done up to this point yeah i i, I mean you know i think the only thing we, we would have heard about is any controversies and we haven't so if you can go out the job and you've not been involved in any of them that, that we're aware of i suppose you know thumbs up in that case with it being Premier League uh, football coming back, though, I think the question has to be asked, especially with this now being a period where we're going to be playing midweek games very regularly. We've got um, PSV in midweek, and then we've got the Brentford game the following week, Jared. Um, is this now the time for Mikel Arteta to start considering some serious rotation? I don't think we're going to see him rotate in these first upcoming games as much as maybe some fans would like or as much as I always assume we're going to. Um, in the past, when we've started European competition, I've been of the mind that we're going to heavily rotate in some of these games, and we just haven't seen it under Arteta. Um, down the line, I think we certainly will this season, just because you're going to have to at some point. But coming off of an international break, a lot of the players are going to be well-rested. Going into this first week, at least, where we see you know Everton, Champions League midweek, and then North London Derby, I think we'll see minimal rotation. You know, we're not going to see the same 11 for all three games, but I don't think it's going to be far off of it. Maybe just one or two players in each game to give some strategical rest to a couple of guys. But coming off the international break, at least for these first few, I would expect it to be pretty consistently our stronger players for the most part. Yeah, I, I think people may be surprised to see how little there is. Um, but there's also the question, Raj, about for the Champions League games in particular, should we be rotating too heavily you know you think about that man city side that plays you know yes they rotate but it is only two three max four little tweaks to the 11 when you see him going to the champions league group stages is that what you expect arteta to do or maybe even less yeah i mean i don't expect that i mean i don't expect much rotation either maybe you know two three maybe depending on who you know who you're playing and how tough that match might match up might be and what matches are coming up it's going to be more contextual to me but I don't I mean it's it's Champions League football still, right? And you want to start off on, on the right foot, especially 
you know, and going in, winning those games early on is going to help save you maybe having some of those dangerous matches later on in group play and setting you up. So I expect them to go pretty strong. Obviously, we know playing at Goodison is, has not been easy for the club. So I expect the you know strong lineup there. I definitely expect the first match of, the, of uh, group play. And of course, you know, NLD is, is a whole different animal too. So yeah, in the next three games, I, I just don't expect much rotation outside of maybe a couple tweaks here and there. I mean, Raj, they brought up the North London derby, which obviously we'll, we'll talk about in a lot more detail in next week's show with it being the Thursday afterwards. But do you think that's that will be on the mind of Arteta going into that first Champions League game on, what is it, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday? No, yeah, yeah. Well, look, we 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 always hear the cliche of take it game by game, but there's absolutely no way that people at the top level of sport operate in that manner. And um, there's obviously always planning. They try to say decisions. they do. Oh yeah, hundred you know, percent. Like, next trading session, next hour. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, uh, just while you were talking there, um, <clears throat> the whole idea of rotation, I think. I think the idea of rotation and squad depth is different in the mind of Arteta and the club than it is in our in our mind. We're thinking of Europa League style overhaul changes between the lineups each week. I don't think we're going to see that. I actually look at and whilst people try to compare us to Man City, I think we're much more comparable to that of Liverpool, which is that last year was a really exciting, frantic, manic, heavy metal football season where we were amazing to watch and what we're seeing now, and you can see it in the, in the changes that Mikel Arteta is trying to make to the system, whether people like it or not, he's going for a more controlled approach. And I think what we're going to try and do is the same transition that we've seen Jurgen Klopp's team go from the heavy metal football to the classic type music thing of where we go and we win a game in a period, in a period of time, and then it's control. And that's where you can make your changes. That's where you can make your rotations. It isn't so much, changing the lineup every week as much as it is on 60 minutes being able to take off players like Martin Udegaard and Bakai Osaka and Thomas Partey, Declan Rice. And over the course of maybe three or four games, if you can take those players off at 60 minutes, you're shaving a substantial load in their legs and that in, in turn uh, makes you be able to select them more often, more often, more frequent. And I think that's where the level of rotation is going to be coming from. So I think that when you ask about the North London Derby, that that's what we're going to see over the next few weeks. It's more early departures from the starting lineup rather than complete overhaul changes. Yeah, I do tend to agree. Um, I, I was really going back and forth about this weekend's game against Everton, though, Jared, because I watched back the painful highlights and a bit more of the last five games um, that we've gone up to Goodenson Park and failed to win in any of them. And the big key theme across all of those games was that we were conceding from crosses and set pieces and long throws and chaotic defending uh, to the max, which sadly led to our downfall and then not taking our chances at the other end as well. And Kai Havertz, for all of his you know failures and things like that, the thing that he has offered us in the box this season, and I've noticed it in a few occasions, is clearances um you know we what we we didn't spend 65 million pounds for clearances but uh <laughs> certainly that has been part of that investment my question to you is is fairly obvious now do you feel Havertz is an asset for maybe the reasons why we didn't buy him in this specific game oh I think unquestionably he's an asset for that reason both defensively and also offensively on set pieces he's fairly good in the air and we've created a 
a lot of corners over the last few games. So, you know, having an extra big body in there that can do something aerially is effective. But he, he's certainly been the player this season that gets the most stick after every single game, regardless of, you know, his performance or perceived performance. And there's a lot of calls for players, say Fabio Vieira, to come in. This is a game I think that suits Havertz well. Everton is very difficult at home. They're very big. They're strong. They're physical. It just seems like a game where if you look at those two players for for no more than that reason and just the physicality, that it suits Kai Havertz considerably more. And and that's something that I think Arsenal's looked at as they've sort of rebuilt the squad as well, not just all the intangibles and the technical quality, but also you want to be a team that's intimidating, that can match up physically with all these other Premier League teams that have a lot of big players. And when you look at potentially a back line that includes, you know, Gabriel Saliba, Declan Rice is rather big player. Kai Havertz is 6'3", 6'4", Tomiyasu, Ben White. We've made a lot of adjustments so teams are less able to bully us, um, which is what you see a lot of times when you're better in quality against the team. Sort of the way to combat that is to be extra physical and try and wear players down. So I think we've made some good moves to try and combat that. And one of the huge ones is Kai Havertz in that left eight position is one that can stand up to that and really perform well in a difficult away match that we're going to see. Yeah, Patrick just says, every player above six foot needs to start this game. So I'm not sure it's tactically the most adept player of approaching a game, but uh, you know it does come with its benefits. Uh, Raj, Everton have always been an issue. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. For us, you know, we, we go up there and it looks like a team that Arsenal should be beating relatively comfortably, but but don't. Um, I was speaking to an Everton fan on, on an Everton channel this week and, you know, they're still very much looking at this game like, you know, even though they've got a really great record that, you know, it's, it's meaningless and that, you know, it's only a kind of a, a coincidence that, that that's been the case. Do you... See this still as as something of a you know, what should be a fairly comfortable win, or is there more to it because of that record that we've got there? I don't know if there's more to it, but it's just never easy to play up there. Uh, regardless, the sample size is there. I do think that you know this game's you know made very very made for for Kai, right? Just in terms of his height, in terms of his work rate. I mean, he has he has some to use an American phrase, he has some dog in him, and so you know the stuff that guys you need to be on the pitch, right? And I think. Vera coming off the bench versus a tired Everton team will be far more effective, right? When some of those guys have used up some of their um, their energy level, and I also think I think I think Owen mentioned this earlier in uh, earlier in the season is that I think Kai was brought in to play with Jesus because of their of their complementary skill sets, and I think you might see that for the first time really in this match, and I think it'll be an interesting combination that can offer a lot of issues. And I think it might be the first time Kai's had the same left back for two straight games as well. And so 
I, I really want to interested to see kind of how he's able to build that cohesion and chemistry with those players. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's interesting to see kind of who ends up getting into the first team on a regular occasion. Will Fabio Vieira break in? Is Smith Rowe going to get an opportunity to be able to stake his claim? You know, Tomiyasu looked brilliant for Japan. Has he got a potential stake to play uh, on a regular occasion in this side? And uh, is that left-back position as settled as we think it is? Um, because, you know, Kivior's there. Tomiyasu, I've already mentioned, could be fighting Zinchenko. We'll have to wait and see. And, you know, Jorginho is being talked up like the best player in the world by Declan Rice. So who knows? Maybe we'll see him get a chance as well. Uh, Pini Ween asking the question, Owen, uh, to you, uh, if I can find it, because I've just managed to lose it. Here we go. Is it the Everton hoodoo in any way real, or is it more of a beaten-before-we-turn-up mentality? Yeah, well, funny that you say that because I actually respectfully, of course, uh, disagree with Raj and Jared. Uh, I I don't think that this is a game for Havertz um, whatsoever. I actually think that you stumbled upon the point I was thinking of the entire time. I think that this could be the opportunity to to play um, Declan Rice in front of Jorginho. Um, if Thomas Partey was available, I would probably do that. But something that I think we were all surprised at People have this this sort of conception that you have to play a physical midfield against a physical midfield to combat that. And I think that Newcastle away last season taught us anything but that. I think Jorginho showed that control and tempo and, and sheer class and technique on the ball uh, was much more effective against a bully in midfield um, of, of Newcastle. And I think that Everton... Um, really take that same mould as well. You know, it's sheer physicality, sheer. But you're not going to beat them if you try to play them at their own game. These are guys that do that week in, week out. That's exactly what they're trying to do. And the simple fact is we're not. We have that uh, in us, but I, I don't think that we can um, compete with them at that sense. So for me, Jorginho, I, I think, should start. Um, and I think when you look, look, I, I'm very in favour of Kai Havertz being at the club. But there's no doubt that he hasn't started to the level we all would have wanted. And I think when you when you look at players, you have to look at them as a net positive or a net negative. Are they providing more positives than negatives? And for me, whilst there is positives and there's positive signs there from Kay, the truth is is that I think he is providing less of a net positive than somebody else would in that role. And I think Declan Rice, in the periods in which he has strayed forward with that bit more freedom, he has shown more end product than Kai Havertz has. Um, so I have much more faith in Declan Rice to do that and, and Georgina to slip in and, and control the tempo of the game. So for me, that, that that's what I would be doing. I, I you know, I've also toiled with the idea of starting Fabio Vieira in this game because of he's been doing, you know, so well. But I think that I think it was Raj who made the point that was it Raj or Jared that made the point about Vieira coming off the bench could be so good. Um and and that impact that he has made you know if we're you know 1-1 or you know you're in a position where you're chasing the game and you've got that ability to, to put the ball in the box like he does it could be really key for us so and at the same time you know if you want a target man having Kai up tops a really good option but the Jorginho Rice argument Owen is is a really good one because last year I felt we lost the game because of the midfield battle being lost you know Idrissa Gunagay, uh Amadou Anana and Abdullah Dekore just formed kind of this yes physical barrier in some senses but they just 
outbeat us to every single second ball and really broke up Arsenal's fluidity. So if you've got someone like Jorginho to kind of pull the strings and you've got someone like Rice who can, on his own, tussle a game away from the opponent, it could be a really good foundation to to consider. Um, that's for sure. Um, let's go to the chat box for the last section of today's show. Uh, I love this comment from Guna Works. It says, Tom's slowly stealing away the whole TGP crew in no time, we'll be having Jared Owen, Andy and Hertz all appearing on ESARP uh, for their own show. I, I, one of the best podcasts we ever did was when I didn't tell Mike that I'd got Owen, Andy and Hertz all on the podcast just as a joke. <laughs> and the text I received when he realised what I'd done was was excellent. So, yeah, maybe something we'll have to do sneakily uh, another time. Also enjoyed this comment from Seizu. He says, always watch the pod on Apple Podcasts and thought Peeny Ween was just a joker on the comments. But the man is cooking fire. Super knowledgeable, actually. I owe you an apology. and wasn't familiar with your game. <laughs> I reckon this is just Peeny Ween's burner account, to be honest. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> that it is. Right, let's tackle some of these questions. Uh, Weedy says, Jared, uh, who do you think will play instead of Saka? I'm assuming that's if to say he ever was rotated or injured, or do you think Arteta will play him with this ongoing issue? Um, I think he's going to continue to play him right now. Obviously, if it worsens, that's going to change the dynamic, but he's the most stalwart player we have in the lineup. I expect him, when he's healthy, to start most every game. Um, As far as who replaces him when he comes out, I like Reese Nelson as an end-of-game impact player to come on, specifically if you're looking for a goal, because he's been really dynamic in that area. Um, I'm not sure he would be my choice to start the full 90 just because of some of the work off the ball maybe isn't up to par for what we would want out of that position. So late game substitution, I enjoy Reese Nelson coming on there. Um, If we're talking about someone starting in that place, since we have the versatility of Eddie up front, I kind of like Gabriel Jesus out to the right. Um, He plays out there for Brazil some, so he's familiar with that position and it allows us to still maintain a really high technical quality in that area, even without Bakayo. Yeah, that this is my pick. I think you start Eddie, you play Jesus on the right. That's for me. I think the best option that we've got. Or you can play Kai up top and let Jesus play mm-hmm. off of him. You know, I think that's potentially something that you could do as well. Um, speaking of Eddie and Jesus, Raj, who do you think is going to start now that are sat at the two on Sunday? I think it's going to be Jesus, just based on his cameo and and the level of technical technicality that he added, technical level that he added, which is going to be really critical, especially you know on the road in, in a match like this. So that's my expectation. Uh, one thing on right wing, I actually thought Vieira played it quite really really well in the preseason, so I wouldn't be surprised if he got mm-hmm. some time there if it's needed. Even though what soccer doesn't have, it's not an injury, guys. It, you know, it's discomfort. So just you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think Vieira is often used there because he's our only other left footer that can really kind of play on the right. Um, I know Havertz has played right at Chelsea. I, I hate him in that position at right wing. I don't, I don't mind him playing like right attacking midfield with another winger ahead of him on the right. But I think that playing out and out right kind of attacking forward, if you like, it just doesn't suit his his traits. I'd rather him play in the middle with someone playing off him like Jesus or playing as kind of an attacking midfielder with players ahead of him to feed, like we saw him do with Leroy Sané for Germany, you know, against France. That was a really, really big assist. I'm hoping that moment actually is a bit of a a catalyst for him towards the end of the season. Um, And Vijay asks here, uh, thank you for the donation, uh, Vijay. uh, Owens, uh, would you see Havertz right in that attacking midfield slot? I suppose if you wanted to rotate out Odegaard, with Smith-Rowe left in one of the midweek games to see if it's a better pairing and then go with Odegaard and Vieira otherwise? 
Yeah, well, um, I, I forget which uh, podcast I was listening to, one of the 10,000 that I um, digest daily. Um, but someone made a really good point, and it was after Kai Havertz got that assist uh, for Leroy Sanez goal during the international break, and it's that he actually operates probably at his best and did so um, throughout most of his career in that right-hand side that uh, pocket that Odegaard um, occupies, which is really difficult to think of him displacing Martin Odegaard on a regular basis. But the fact that that might be his best position is something to really think about. Um, statistically, I think it backs up. So, yeah, he could be on to something there. I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see definitely come some of the cup games and stuff like that, that if Mikel Arteta tries to deploy him in that in that, in that that position. Absolutely. Um, and with this being the Eat Sleep Arsenal Repeat podcast, we do like to end the show in the final section discussing more of the, the personal fitness and personal target side of things uh, as well. And Jared, because this is your first time on the show, I'm curious to to know what's your personal goal this season for yourself, fitness-wise, mental health-wise. Is there anything that you've been working on or any tactics you've found that have been successful for you? Is it how to work a mute button? Could that be potentially the target? Uh, <laughs> Easily number one on my list. Sorry, my first podcast such in an amateur. Hours. He's such an amateur. In like days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, for me, it's always just increasing the overall general fitness level. Um, I know, Tom, we've met. I'm not a big guy, so I don't have any particular weight loss goals. Um, I'm a big Peloton rider. Uh, I enjoy that. I do that pretty regularly. I don't look like it, but I do lift weights some. So it's more of just a consistency thing for me, which is primarily only interrupted by by my work. And when I travel, I'm gone for weeks or months at a time. So it makes it pretty difficult to stay on your regular regimen you're on at home. But th- those are probably my two. I enjoy lifting. I enjoy jogging. But the, the Peloton is probably the most consistent thing I'm working with on a regular basis. I mean, you obviously you do go away a lot. Um, and how do you kind of manage that? I suppose. Do you? I mean, be honest. Do you, do you just kind of let it get away and like you know you're not going to eat as well. You know you're not going to train as much. You're not going to get as much exercise. How do you manage those situations? I, I mean, to some degree, yes. It's just less possible because not only are you away from home and away from all the athletic equipment you're typically using, uh, but when I'm away, we work typically six 12 hour days a week. So the amount of time you have outside of that to, to fit anything in is, is lessened. So if I'm fortunate enough to be staying at a hotel that has a good fitness facility, I try and utilize that when I can, but the, the diet is the most of it. When you're away from home, that's when people really tend to fall off just because it's more of a convenience thing. So I make a concerted effort to plan my breakfasts and dinners when I'm out on the road, knowing that midday when I'm away and I'm out in the middle of nowhere, your lunch options are pretty limited. So if I can get away each day with only one really not great meal, I I tend to do okay. And then when I get home, I can pick back up and get back on the regular program and sort of gain back any of those losses you see over that time. Yeah, it's important. Um, I think for me, like I've obviously been on this this training program, and the thing I'm struggling with most is motivation around training. Like eating diet, I find easier, um, but actually getting you know motivation. I, I have all the equipment at home. You know, I have dumbbells at home. I have kettlebells at home, and I still struggle to to go downstairs and and pick up the dumbbells and set aside half an hour even to do it. And just to do it, like I just, there's some, I don't know what it is. There's a mental block that I have. And, 
I thought that investing in this kind of program that I'm on would change that. And it certainly has from the diet perspective, which overall is better because it's the diet mm-hmm. makes up certainly a bigger portion of, of, of in what I feel is personal progress, but um, it's still not enough sometimes to get me doing it. And I need to find some way of motivating myself to, to, to get there. Raj, any personal updates to, to give us on your personal goals? Uh, one goal, line up my beard as well as Jared's for next week. Uh, that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Yeah, I have actually uh, got a question for you as yeah, well, so, but tell us your, your personal goal first. No, I was going to comment on the, on the travel aspect, man. That, that's so difficult, mm. especially if you're, you're changing time zones as well. And so, you know, everything kind of gets thrown for a loop there. So I found even for myself that to be one of the, one of the hardest things to do. And I tell people when you're on the road is try to maintain as best you can. And it, it's hard to really, you know, improve your fitness while you're on the road unless especially if you're doing for work obviously right so um unless you're going to be in one place for a long time and you're able to get some of those systems back in place it just becomes so so difficult to do uh one thing for tom there's a quote from kobe that helps me a lot he's like when it comes to training or working out he's like you already signed the contract with yourself so don't negotiate with yourself like it's already signed so like that a lot of times in my head, I'll even be like, Oh, I'll work out later instead of right now. Right. I used to start that self-negotiation. It's a slippery yeah. slope. I've right? been saying that and, for two months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like now my mentality is like, I already signed the contract. Like it's, or I, I just have to do it. And then it, of course, then hopefully over time, ideally that just becomes your habit. Mm, yeah. It's not easy. Yeah, it's so hard. It's really, like, it's the <laughs> thing I struggle with the most. I was talking to my trainer the other day about this. I was like, I just, we need to come up with some kind of strategy to get me off my ass and do these things. Cause it's, it's, I'm finding it so difficult. Like I'd rather like just crack on with some more work or, you know, go for a walk. I think, I think, you know, I've, I've also started doing, um, walking football actually um because my father-in-law plays it and his brother uh, plays it as well and because none of the group of lads i live you know we used to play seven aside all the time um and they don't play anymore and this is the only like outlet i've got now to, to keep playing football is to play with these like 50 pluses and i i really enjoy it it's really difficult because like your brain is always like I've got to play this past five yards ahead of someone because they're going to run onto it or like I've got to try and get, and it's actually a lot more tactical about kind of pass and move and making sure it's defeat and quick quickness of passing. It's improved my technical game an insane amount compared to playing seven aside. So uh, I, I scoffed at it at first, but it was good. But quickly before I come to Owen, uh, Raj, I had a question on Monday from Maximius yeah. who has jumped into the chat again this evening to remind me to ask. I did save it. The question was, one more question. I heard ACL and knee injuries are different for ladies than they are for men. How would it affect the return of the likes of Viv Miedemar and Beth Mead post-injury? Can we expect the same impact like last season from them? So do you, what is the difference? Is there a difference between the recoveries in male and female ACL injuries? Not really. It's, it's kind of the same principles when it comes to rehabbing um, those, those aspects. You might say, you know, with females, there might be less muscle mass there just because females we know genetically tend to have a bit less muscle mass. But, you know, in general, it, it, it's kind of a very, very similar process. And, I'm, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure that of- question is coming from. I don't it was Maximius. Uh, he asked. Yeah, I don't know. Like, was that was that based on was that based on something or? I, it was kind of like 
I assume it was from like I think we were talking about how Rob Holding and Chambers kind of struggled and Bellerin as well back from their injuries and if there was any indication that men and women recover differently or any indication that that of either side of the sport if there's any differences in recovery and response to the recovery as well but I didn't not think that there I've, would be yeah. um, not that I've yeah. seen not I mean not that I've not that I've seen there's so many. And, you know, when it comes to certain players, we can name, I'd always name for every player who didn't recover well from an ACL, I can name a player who covered quite well from an ACL, right? So mm. I know we tend to focus on the ones who don't, especially Arsenal ones, because, you know, there tends to be a selective demographic with who we're talking to right now. And so, yeah, um, uh, yeah so it, it's, there's, I haven't seen any differences, to be honest with you. Fair enough. Uh, Owen, finish off the show, mate, and tell us about how your personal progress is going. I'm still Is above ground. I'm still above ground. Um, <laughs> no, listen, this is a tricky time of the year for me, and that that's no excuse. It's riddled with bad decisions. But the truth is, I work outside all day. It's 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 really cold, as you know, during winter in Ireland. Um, especially we work a lot of nights and stuff like that. So my my real hard time of it is come lunchtime the serve overs in the garages where we get a you, you crave a hot meal obviously being out in the in the cold all day and and come lunchtime you're freezing and you go in and there really isn't that much of a healthy selection in those places so it's a lot of sort of heavy calorie based based meals and you just want to get them in there so for me it's uh it's it's making better choices for lunch maybe pre-planning meals and stuff like that and this is something that I struggle with, and I know how wrong I am for doing this. Okay, before I mention it, I'm playing a lot of golf at the minute, and sometimes I'm like, I want to go for a run, but I don't want to be sore for playing golf tomorrow because I want to play well. <laughs> and it's like I put off the run because I want to perform well yeah. at golf, but I know I'm not performing to the best I can because I'm not in the best shape I can be. So I'm stuck in this cycle of sooner or later i'm just gonna to have to take the hit and, and and get stuck into it fair enough uh t fisher i haven't taken this offensively don't worry says i can't help this coming off rude uh but tom if you're struggling just look at yourself in the mirror <laughs> <laughs> is this it is being Holy the size crap. of a house and wheezy really you <laughs> that's not my burner that's not my burner okay that's <laughs> incredible <laughs> This is uh, T stands for Dr. Raj, I think, uh, in that T Fisher there. <laughs> Goodness me. Uh, look, I tell you what, that is what actually encouraged me in the first place to start this journey. So, you know, and look, I haven't taken that offensively at all. Um, but uh, no, genuinely, I think that I, I honestly don't really care about like the numbers on the scales. It's it's all about how I see myself, how I feel in myself. Um, Raj, I'm going to let you jump off, mate, because I know you've got to shoot. Um, but thank you for coming on and tell people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at 3CB Performance um, on all social media channels. Just one last thing. One thing I try to like, use to motivate people is try to link back strength training to something that you like to do. So like, you know, in Owen's case, is it golf? Like for me, it's, I play basketball, I play tennis, I play a lot of stuff. So it, I can feel the difference when I'm on the pitch or when I'm on the court, right? So use that. If you don't like the actual strength training, try to link it to something that you do do and how it's helping you in that regard or whatever it is. Right. So try to, to try to create that to, link. I need to work out to link arguing on Twitter with exercise. There you go. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> All right guys, I have a patient. So I'll catch have you a good one, mate. See you later. 
Much appreciate Raj uh, jumping on as always, uh, especially during his busy, busy schedule. Um, we've got about five more minutes to go. Just just uh, as an update, this this weekend for me was like, I had friends down from uni. We went out on Friday. If you watch the Saturday morning show, you know we went out on Friday. Um, we went out on Saturday and I had like something silly, like five hours sleep on Sunday. And you know, this is the first Monday where the the value on the scales has gone up from the previous week, and you know that's that was hard to see. I'll be very honest. Like I hate because I got so used to this progression of going from like a hundred kilos and it was ninety eight, then ninety six, then ninety five, ninety four, and I just got into the ninety threes, and then this week went up to ninety four point five again, and I was looking at the scales like, you know, like it can was I, tough. Can I make it make an observation? And this I, is after what T. Fisher said, I don't want any more <laughs> observations. <to be. laughs> Why don't you look at yourself? In the... <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> what I was going to say is, uh, as someone who has known you for quite a substantial period of time now, I feel that you're somebody who who doesn't take the knockback well. Uh, mm. And the truth is, you're striving mm. for. You're saying uh, I don't do with criticism very well. Aren't no, you? no, no, no. What I'm saying <laughs> is, and, and 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 I'm quite similar to you. Whereas, like you said, you're going 95, 94, 93, 92, 93, and you go, mm. oh, God's sake, I went up one. That's that. There's no point now. <laughs> you know. Whereas the truth mm. is, you're striving for progression and not perfection. You're never gonna be perfect, and 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 life living like that on those diets on those uh, lifestyles they're they're not sustainable for a massive period of time you know you're what age you're again you're late 20s you're obviously going to want to enjoy yourself so i think you beat yourself up too much sometimes yeah i probably do um you know i have to do it's daily kind of measuring of weights and today we went back into the 93 so again kind of that was you know definitely a plus um and you know temi says here 94 kilos you know isn't bad for someone who's six foot three and you're right it's not um mm-hmm. and i'm not you know in any kind of weight category that, that puts me any kind of you know where there's concern shall we say or like it's just a case of like wanting to to feel better in yourself wanting to fit your clothes better and uh and you know whilst i am in the age bracket i am trying to you know maximize potential that's that's there it's minimal potential but i want to maximize it so yeah <laughs> um any final thoughts boys before we wrap up I mean, in terms of health and fitness, as you said, sometimes it's motivated to do a full workout. What I always kind of tell myself and tell other people is that doing anything is better than doing nothing. If you say, I can't do my workout I had planned, you can do push-ups, you can do squats right where you're standing right now. No equipment, no anything, and you can do it rather quickly. So you don't have to go through, you don't have to go run 10 miles to improve your situation daily. Drink a lot of water and just do minimal things rather than doing nothing. And when you do that over a long period of time, you're you're in a much better place than you would have been otherwise. Absolutely, well said, Owen. Yeah, it's it's similar to what Raj said earlier. It's a it's a rule that, uh, whilst I haven't been living by it much, when I was doing a lot of training and was quite in shape, I always used to just have it the five second rule, and it's that if you think, okay, now I'm going for a run, get up and get ready within five seconds, because the longer you sit in the sofa. The more unlikely you're going to be to get it. So instead of sitting about waiting, just go, just just go and do it. Absolutely, just do it. I'm sure there's a phrase that someone's used there. Maybe before. 
Yeah. Arsenal aren't manufactured by them, so we, we can't, you know, we can't talk about them. Um, but uh, certainly, uh, it's been a really good show, I think, actually, this evening. Uh, covered a lot of topics, done a lot of talking, uh, football and non-football as well. So thank you to everyone that's continued to tune and listen. I hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, make sure you drop a like, leave a comment on anything that we've talked about today that you've felt particularly strong about and let us know your thoughts on. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave a very kind review. We'd appreciate it. A uh, massive thank you to Raj, of course, who had to jump off at 3CB performance that you can find him on twitter uh, jared fantastic debut on the esarp podcast uh, i'm sure it will not be the last but thank you for jumping on really appreciate it and good to speak to you again yeah likewise it was great to talk to you again great to join the show it's, it's been a little while since we got to do one together and uh it was a lot of fun so we'll have to do it uh, sometime hopefully sooner rather than later yeah, you can find Jared on Twitter at uh, I can't unmute myself. Uh, but uh, no, Jared, tell people where they can find you, mate. Yep, you can get me on Twitter uh, down below. It's at JC underscore AFC. And typically on Mondays, you can find me uh, with Owen and the boys over on the Gooners pod. Absolutely. Uh, a second part of the Gooners pod. Owen, thank you for joining me again. Uh, much appreciated time every week, as always. Tell people where they can find you. Yeah, cheers, buddy. You've seemed to draw in the the two big hitters of the Gooners pod. Um, and I'm sure Mike Weinberg is going to be 90%. fuming. Because he's always <laughs> like, we do stuff like this all the time. And he's like, why don't you just podcast on our channel? <laughs> <He's busting. laughs> listen, at this point, I just do it to annoy him more than anything. But yeah, listen, you can find me, as as, as you said, over on the Gooners pod uh, sporadically and um, on Twitter at Owen Young AFC, as you see down there, the dodgy spelling. But it's a pleasure to be on, as always. Of course, mate. Um, you can, if you've enjoyed uh, Jared's and Owen's content and talking this evening, you can see both of them on plenty of the 27 hours uh, of podcasting that Mike did uh, over the course of Sunday and through to Monday. And I think again into Tuesday, I, I think I jumped in to say I was going to sleep for the second time during this live stream because um, I genuinely was because uh, it started Sunday and finished uh, sometime late on on Monday night, so yeah, it was uh, yeah an amazing achievement. Uh, well done to you two, by the way, for both playing your part in in that. Uh, you did fantastic. Well, very smart, Jared, by the way, and your uh, your tie. It looked fantastic. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's you get invited to an event that happens once a year. I thought I should show up looking better than I typically do. Fair enough, mate. You smashed it, and uh, yeah, I thought. I mean, the conversation. Uh, remind me who it was that you were on with at the time. I can't. Henry. Um, Henry Winters and Akal. yes, it was Henry Winter and uh, and Akil. And I was listening to that part live because I had it on just in the background. And you know, I thought the bit on Saudi was really good. Um, and uh, yes, that in particular, I thought was a really good listen. I thought Henry was was you know really good. And Akil speaking about you know what the club are doing was was great as well. But there's loads, you know, uh, Alan Smith, um, uh, Peter Drury, of course. Uh, I was on with Harry for for his section that was really really good um former arsenal players galore on there and uh, some mls all-stars as well to go and check out and sophie did a brilliant job of course as well um considering the circumstances over there and our thoughts and if you'd like to send sophie a very nice message while she's away from us at the moment i'm sure she would very much appreciate that um but thank you for listening everybody drop a like subscribe and uh, i'll be back tomorrow morning of course live at 8 a.m we'll be back of course next thursday after everton and psv to get some thoughts on our return to the champions league and uh that'll be next thursday of course the usual time in the evening 8 39 o'clock but thank you for listening see you soon and as always up the arsenal
It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.